have this memory. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's like me sitting in my chair at my desk on a Wednesday morning, having just watched like three hours of pointless YouTube videos and going, because I didn't, I didn't really have a lot to do that day. And so, well, what else am I going to do? I'm just going to, you know, kind of sloth off. Like, this is why you're your own, your own boss. You know, thanks, Tim Ferriss. I worked my four hours this week, and <laughs> now I'm going to goof off. And going, I don't feel like running my own business is supposed to feel like this. Right. Hello, and welcome to the Business Brothers Podcast. My name is Connor Olstead. I am joined by Micah Hancock. Say hello. Hello. And uh, we are here to talk business, to talk about our business, growing business, everything involved in the small business world. And so let's get started. All right, let's do it. Um, First topic for today um, is going to be around freelancing. We are both videographers. And so hopping into the freelancing world can be a scary thing to do. Um, However, it's also quite rewarding and quite fun if you do it effectively and um, you know, and you enjoy it while, while you're doing it. Um, but today we're going to talk about kind of that transition from full-time work, um, into freelancing and then out of full-time work. Uh, so Micah, why don't you tell me a little bit about that, about your kind of journey through that? Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to right after college, get a full-time, uh, position in video work. I was a media director for a mega church and I did that job for about two years and throughout that time, never really stopped freelancing. You know, you kind of always people see you as the guy with the camera. And, you know, especially in a church setting where you've got a couple thousand people around, you're able to pick up freelance work, which I did. And then, but about, it's about two years into that, I decided that I wanted to step away from um, my position. And because of the freelancing clients I had gotten through my time at the church, uh, I was able to do that. And I did that really well for about four weeks and I crashed and burned <laughs> completely. What, what, what clients did you have when you were at the church? Um, it was, it was not-for-profits, local businesses. Um, it wasn't anyone at the time that would have been able, I, I mean, I didn't realize it, but they weren't able to keep the lights on, but it was enough work that I sort of made me go like, man, if these people, you know, paid me more or if I get a few more people, um, this could really take off. And I was also doing weddings at the time. So basically my business model was, fantastically flawed where I didn't, but it, I had, I saw enough of the opportunity in the freelancing world to go when I was ready to leave my full-time job for something different. I thought it's worth going after this freelancing thing before I go out and get another full-time job. And really since then, I haven't had a full-time job on the last uh, three or four years now. So you started in weddings, you said, um, or you were, you were doing weddings. And I think that that is kind of a baseline that a lot of people start at. Um, it's more, you know, especially in videography and photography, that's, that's kind of just the way that you go because everybody's, you know, going to be getting married. Well, not everybody's going to be getting married, but w- weddings are always going to be happening mm-hmm. and, um, and they can be very lucrative. So what, um, what when, what was that transition out of weddings? And naturally at a church, you know, you're going to be at a lot of places where people are and are going to be getting married. Um, and so what what led to that transition out of weddings and more into just corporate work? Um, I really just wanting to challenge myself. I, I didn't see, um, I didn't at the time find weddings very rewarding to do. They just, for me, they weren't creatively challenging. And I didn't, I didn't like, 
um, the schedule that it was, uh, the weddings requiring you know, with, with the weekends and stuff. I, I just was leaving a job that required me to be active on weekends. I was wanting to look for a job that could be a little bit more Monday through Friday. And just the challenge of, I, you know, the model for weddings is pretty straightforward. And like you said, yeah. you do have a lot of clients. And I thought, man, if I would do this, I would really like to do it and not have weddings as part of it. Now, that yeah. being said, three years later, I'm starting to take weddings back in, but it's with a completely different mindset um, and a different business. Okay, so a, a different business completely outside of your... And what your business is Mike Hancock Visual Media, right? Uh, my business is Story and Company Media, LLC. Story... Okay, Story and Company Media, and then uh, underneath that, you have this new business? Um, I actually have a completely separate business. I wanted to make sure that I kept my corporate clients away um, and separate from um, a branding perspective from potential uh, uh, wedding clients. Those people, I mean, I don't know what your experience, you probably speak to this as well, but um, I've actually had corporate clients go that I'm so glad I was able to find a videographer who didn't do weddings. And it, it... I found that it kind of speaks to a level of expertise and just sort of knowledge of the business world um, outside of just the weddings. And I've gotten corporate clients because of that. And moving forward, trying to take weddings back into the fold, um, I've wanted to make sure that I still have the identity of my business is separate. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I haven't had anybody specifically say, like, I'm happy you don't do weddings. But I have had people um, recognize that in, in that weddings essentially is where pe- most people start and most people really succeed at it and mm-hmm. take it to oh, the yeah, next absolutely. level. But, but the, the traditional route is usually people that jump to the next level of corporate videography and something that is, has a different, um, a, a different structure, a different approval process. And, you know, where you're not satisfying just one person that is looking at themselves. And cause you know, we all have some kind of a, um, narcissism in us. And we, if you see a video that you didn't make and that it is just about you, it's a good one. You yeah, know? It's like I'm, I'm um, out of focus and grainy, but it's still me. So I love it. <laughs> yeah. But dang, my smile looks good. <laughs> so, but yeah, so jumping into the, you know, where you have to approve five or six people, that's just, it's not, it's not that it takes more talent. It's just like a different, a different game to play. And mm-hmm. so, I, you know, people definitely have recognized that I haven't, but I have not had any of those specific things Mm -hmm. of like, Oh, I'm so happy you don't do weddings. I picked you up because you don't do weddings. Um, because in reality, I guess I still do. I just only do it on referral and Mm -hmm. really, you know, not for anything in specific. It's more just people that are like, Hey, I need this wedding. And I'm like, yeah, you're cool. Fine. Okay. I'll do it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something I've actually found. Um, the first, when I first started freelancing, I think I did, I had four or five weddings lined up that, that fall and, um, going back saying no to weddings. And in, in the past couple of years, I've done occasional weddings for whether it's for a family or, or to cover for a close friend, um, who wasn't able to make a wedding last minute or something like that. And I found that actually doing weddings once in a while, I feel like I bring more creativity and more, um, kind of zeal for it than if I were doing it every weekend. But I, oh, I want to yeah. hear, because I don't know if we've actually talked before, when you left, because you also had a job in the corporate video world doing a lot of stuff. Um, yep. what, uh, what was that transition for you like moving from um, basically having an eight to five or eight to six and then going, I'm not going to have that anymore. I'm going to do freelance. Yeah. Well, so I came out of school. I was unemployed for 19 days before I 
at an office in my in the media agency that I worked for, and it was uh, focused around the outdoor industry, um, and and which is awesome. That's exactly what I want to do. That's why I picked up the job, you know, so quickly. It was the first offer that I had, um, and so I got in. I, I got going, and uh, they had a lot of work for me right off the bat. Working eight to five every day. It was, you know, fantastic. Um, it was fun. I had, you know, my weekends to myself. Nobody bugged me and asked me to do anything because nobody was working. And um, and then after about a month or two, I, like, had finished up everything that they needed me to do, and there was no projects on the horizon. And we had just submitted an RFP or request for proposal to some people that, um, to to a very, very big organization um, that we were probably going to get the job for. And so we were just kind of waiting on that gig. And, um, and so I wasn't doing anything and I was like, well, I'm going to develop, you know, and, and try and do some, you know, progress as a filmmaker, but they wouldn't let me leave. And I was like, what? And like, why not? You know? And, um, and so I, I was like, I have my work done, it, you know, it's, com- it's completed. So why, I, it just doesn't make sense to me as to why I can't, you know, take the drone and go practice shots or, you know, go take some, some time lapses and try and get these different things. And, and they were just like, nope, nope, you got to stay here. You have to be here from eight to five. And there was a j- majority of the company that wasn't there from eight to five. Like I was one of the few that got there right at eight and stayed all the way until five. And so it was just like really confusing to me as to like, like, you know, I guess I just got to be here for a while and put in my time before I, you know, maybe got to figure out the, before the they let you off the leash. And <laughs> yeah. And so, but, but you th- that's the thing is that the majority of the bosses weren't there. And so I could have just left and it just would have, you know, blown up in my face once they figured out that I had gone, but I didn't. And so instead I sat and I watched YouTube <laughs> and in my watching of YouTube, I learned so much. It's right when Casey Neistat had started his vlog. And so I watched him every single day. Um, it was, you know, when a lot of different filmmakers, um, were coming up on YouTube, a lot of stuff was hitting it. Um, and when YouTube was getting really big. And so I was learning a lot about just YouTube strategy in general. And that really helped me, um, now for what I'm doing now, but um, it, it, it made me want to start a YouTube channel. And then therefore that's what I, that's what I did this summer after, you know, I was, um, the summer after I had been hired, um, I started a YouTube channel, uh, with two guys, uh, that focused around duck hunting. And I was like, and I, you know, and the, the channel itself was my idea. It was their subject, but my idea to, to do it on YouTube And so I kind of capped into that and pushed it forward and was like, we got to do a video every week. We got to do this and that and whatever. And, um, and so I just continued to work at this uh, media agency, um, until the following year, um, was the following fall. We, we had started the big contract. We got the gig with that big company. We had started the contract and I, um, I, I, put in my two weeks the day before duck opener um, or not the day before two weeks before duck opener so that I would be done by duck opener because that's what my channel focused on. So I worked there for a year and eight months, I think is what it was total. Um, but the, yeah, it was, it was just, I, I saw in the big corporate media agencies, just a couple of things that was like, they, they were not, 
charging accurately as far as like ethically in my in my mind and i i saw that the work that was being put in like i could do what 12 people are doing by myself you know Mm -hmm. or, or with maybe two guys and and do it effectively. And the guy that the big contract that we were with, they had one of the guys there and he was telling me that I needed to go, uh, solo. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, like this, get this guy, you know, a big, huge corporation spending millions of dollars on this project is telling me that I need to be doing it alone. And, um, I didn't like take them as a client or anything, but I, mm-hmm. I, I decided I was like, you know what, I'm going to break off. And so I, I helped them kind of finish that contract out and they ended up losing it because of how they were handling everything. Um, and then at the, uh, the next year I started working part-time at Gander mountain, um, while I started doing my own video work. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think that's a huge thing I want to make sure we hit on is like, we both kind of glossed over that we left full-time jobs and that's a huge life change for, for anyone where you go, this is my job. This is my healthcare. This was my, you know, 401k, Mm -hmm. this is whatever. And you step into the world of freelance, um, and that's just gone. How did you handle that risk, both financially and and mentally? Yeah, so financially, I was I was still living with my parents at the time, um, and so that was nice as far as like rent went. You know, pretty much nothing. And uh, but I did have I wasn't I was responsible for my own health care and insurance and all that jazz. Um, even though I was under the age of twenty six, my dad's like, "Nope, <laughs> you got your own health care." And so that's what I was doing. And, uh, and so I needed to work part-time somewhere. And so I went into Gander Mountain and I was like, yo, like I will pick up a job here, but you got to understand, like, I'm going to be asking for time off because I have other stuff I need to do. And like, I'll be the best part-time employee you've ever had, but <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be part-time. No, I, 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 <laughs> and, I love that mindset of going in. Like I will, you know, I will kick butt while I'm here, but I'm also running my own thing on the side and I need to kick butt there too. And if, you know, if you can come to an agreement with your employer, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, and, and I luckily now my employer now, um, cause I still work part time, um, they provide health insurance. And so that's, that's kind of the way to go. You know, mm-hmm. if you can get health insurance and you can get, and that's why, that's why I'm still there. You know, I work there 20 hours a week, um, maximum really. And, um, and I ask off like all of April and all of November and they give it to me because when I'm there, you know, I, I work my butt off and, um, and it's effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me making that transition from having a full-time job that paid well, had benefits to thinking, man, the next right decision feels like going off on my own, um, was alleviated slightly because I was married and my wife had a job, but something I look back on that we, that my wife and I had done that was that was crucial was we had spent the year and a half before that minimizing all our expenses. Like we like we were pretty merciless on what we spent money on, so that when the time came to say goodbye to my salary and go hello to freelancing, which can be lucrative, but it probably won't be right away. Um, we were at a spot. Very true. What's that? Very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were at a spot where we could felt like we could step into that risk. And then for me, actually pulling the trigger of going, now I'm leaving this job. I knew I had enough work those first couple months to go, like I will still make my salary these first two months. And if it all, if it all hits the fan, okay. I, I you know, I, for two months, <laughs> I lived the, the self-employed freelancer life and we'll see where it goes. And for, for me, it was much the same story of yours, except a little different. 
in that I also went out and got a part-time job, pretty much that same approach of I will work my butt off while I'm here. But, um, but I, I missed the, the social interaction of, you know, trying to be a full-time freelancer where most of your time, especially if you're like a videographer, like us, you are at home editing by yourself and you are right. sending emails to people by yourself. And when you have that angry person come back, you go, there's no boss to send this to or no even, yep. you know, no, no like workplace buddies to complain about it to. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta satisfy them and, and, you know, deal with it. <laughs> so, um, go ahead. Well, and, but for you, I think that, I think that, um, one thing that should be noted that I think that you do really effectively is, is your budgeting because you said, yeah, you, you were two months ready. You, you had two months if this doesn't work after two months, but now even to that point of going full time, you have your, you know, your, your classic three month quote mm-hmm. that you've, you've said to me more and, you know, and why don't you share that? Yeah. So my, my goal, I, uh, I read the book profit first, which basically when I transitioned out of that part-time job, I was like, I'm going to go after this full time. I knew one of the big things I needed to do was get my money sorted out. Um, I had made basically every mistake in the book running my freelancing operation for the first year. Um, so I started reading books and one of them was profit first. And that, uh, gave me a way of setting up my bank accounts that made a lot of sense to me. And then from that way, I said, I can have set up an account where, Hopefully, I can always have two to three months of of my salary in here, which means when I actually start off full time by myself the second time, <laughs> I uh, I I knew um, I always know that I have enough to pay myself a salary for two or th- three months, and I figure that's always enough time that if I need to go out and get a job, I will. Um, but it also takes a lot of the pressure off of you know when's my next paycheck coming in. But that all comes down to how effective has that been? That that salary, you know, is 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 low enough because we live within our means that if I need to stretch it, you know, I could and and just yeah, keeping that keeping the tight reins and on the on the fiscal pony, <laughs> not letting them ride off without you. <laughs> exactly. And how effective has that been for you? Have you been able to keep keep at that? Has it gone below three months? Have you you know um, been at more? What what's how's that gone? It it's it's changed. Um, I've been pretty good with with uh, two to three months, and there have been a couple times I might have only had one month left in there, but I knew I had a lot of work coming on the pipeline, so that kind of offset itself of going. You know the the account's getting a little low, but I see the work on the horizon that I know is coming, um, and we'll be okay. So that's so moving, moving forward into, uh, like the future, the, like how, how far out do you usually like book work or how far do you know that like work is coming? I mean, it, it it can be anywhere from four or five months to, you know, next week, something, something I found in for, especially for freelancers doing what we do with video production is, I think there's a niche out there, niche, 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 uh, niche, niche, yeah. <laughs> niche uh, of beating out companies, internal guys. Like if you can go into a company and go, you've got one or two full-time employees doing something that's going to take them, you know, they're going to say, we, we can have that done two weeks from now. If you can go in and say, I can have this done two days from now. Um, right. That's a huge, uh, that's a huge benefit 
the the kind of the double edged sword that I found is sometimes those people get that expectation of you know this guy can do a really fast turnaround really well, and you know the planning isn't always there. So it's like, hey, next week would you be free? <laughs> yeah. So and and one one thing that I found interesting um, is the cycles that companies go on mm-hmm. for that. Um, I was talking to a marketing director, um, and he was saying that he he goes. Uh, this, he goes back to this one company every five years mm. and he goes, he says that they go on a five year cycle of, they try it all in house for five years and then they transition and do it all, um, contractors and, you know, freelancers for five years. And then they like, they switch back and he said that it's coming around cause he was asking me if he could, if I could help him with some of that work. Mm-hmm. And I was just, and, and cause he says that he's they're they're transitioning back around, you know, that was five <laughs> years ago and now they're, it's like Haley's comment, but it's a, it's a contract yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. And so he's like, yeah, so there might be a bunch of work coming down from them. Uh, is that something you'd be available for? And, um, one thing that I've found with my own business is that I have pretty much like there's four months out of the year where I have like nothing to do. Mm-hmm. I'll guess which which months those are. So you already know that I do hunting, and so November and April. Yeah, so right, I, I'm know. I'm I'm gonna guess uh, June and July are pretty slow, and then I'm okay. gonna say January and February. So close. January is packed because it's show season for me. So it's February and March Mm -hmm. and then July and August. You're off by a month each time, (laughs) but yeah. So, but that, that's what it is. It's, and it's, and it's, it works out kind of nice for July and August because my birthday's in August and July is like the best weather of the year. So at least where I'm at Mm -hmm. in Minnesota. So that's, that's like kind of nice. Cause it's just like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go to my cabin. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. enjoy the weather. I'm going to have fun and whatever. And like, you know, it's, it's like being a teacher and having the two months off in mm-hmm. the summer. But, uh, the, the February, March stuff, man, that just kills you. Cause it's like, it's winter. There's nothing to do. Yeah. Like, and, you know, you got to try and find where, Oh man, it's the worst. Yeah. And that's where I found but. my, my three month strategy has helped a lot. Cause if I can bring in the money, in the previous year, because just like every, for me, it's January and February, especially are just really slow months. Um, and mm-hmm. going like, you know, if I was, if I didn't have money saved to pay myself, <laughs> yeah. it could be yep. getting, so let, let, let's, I want, I want to ask you what, what would you say is what the biggest mistake you made when you first dipped your toes into freelancing? I mean, taxes is huge. Yeah. Getting the taxes right and having a good CPA is huge. I would say, um, like I don't have a website still and I have not done much marketing. So I think that, um, establishing that and kind of getting your routine of marketing early is a good idea. Um, I, in my first couple years, I kind of devoted a lot of time to like one or two clients mm-hmm. Um, and so I would recommend, I recommend diversifying that, um, just because my, um, that, that my biggest client caused quite a bit of stress because I, you know, I had no idea if, if he was happy or not. And I felt like I was going to lose him every time we got on the phone. And so it, um, and that's what kept me in my part-time job, but um, yeah, I'm going to continue to think about that. You tell me what, what's yours. Mine without a doubt was. Well, I take it back. I, I, I feel like 
I've got the one that's sort of above the surface level, like the iceberg, and then I've I've got the one that's you know ninety percent of the problem underneath. So the, so the above the surface problem, the one that I can very easily see was managing my money. I I when I when I left my okay. full time job, um, I had work like I said earlier, but the, those checks basically got dumped into my personal checking account. It was just I mean it's kind of what I was used to with a full time job. You know every every month or every two weeks you have the direct deposit and now you have money in your account that you didn't have there before. And, and I did that with, with the work that I had, I just put the money in and sort of around tax time, you know, just hoped and prayed that stuff all sort of worked out. And it, it was just a really big mess. Um, and it wasn't like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to be irresponsible here. I just didn't know. Um, right. and that, that is, right. and that, what's that? Well, that was something that I had that was effective uh, was that that time when I was watching all these YouTube videos, part of it was like I knew I wanted to go freelancing. And so that's what I did was research the tax part of it and make sure that everything was completely separate. Yeah. But anyway, you were saying. Yeah. So that so the the money thing was the 10 percent above above the waterline. I think the bigger thing that I found when I first started freelancing was uh, how I manage my time. And I. I have this memory. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's like me sitting in my chair at my desk on a Wednesday morning, having just watched like three hours of pointless YouTube videos and going, cause I didn't, I didn't really have a lot to do that day. And it's like, well, what else am I going to, I'm just going to, you know, kind of slough off. Like, this is why you're your own, your own boss. You know, thanks Tim Ferriss. I worked my four hours this week and <laughs> now I'm going right. to, I'm going to goof <laughs> up. And, and I remember <laughs> ending that morning, I, pro- I probably like bunny slippers on in a robe, like shuffling to the kitchen to get a sandwich and going, I don't feel like running my own business is supposed to feel like this. You know, I, right. Um, and, that was a big reason for me going out and getting a part-time job was I felt like I was wasting so much time. I thought, you know, let me work 20 hours a week, make 12 bucks an hour. And then with the margin I have left over, I will have to work harder at my, at my, at my freelancing work. And for the most part, I found that to be really true. Um, I, I took, a, I took a part-time sales job. I learned a ton about sales and selling and, um, I even worked at a place they didn't care that if I picked up clients. So I ended up like getting several, almost like $10,000 worth of work that year from people I met, at, you know, selling backpacks and, and mountain bikes. Um, and then it got to the point about a year and a half later, and I was still doing the part-time job. I felt like I had learned everything that I had to know. And I was getting to the point where, I was having to start to say no to freelancing projects or having to rush through freelancing projects faster than I knew was faster than like, like I wanted to be, I wanted to add more quality than time allowed. And that's was really the writing of wall on the wall of going now is the time to say no to the part-time job and yes to the full-time work. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll be, be honest. I've been doing this for a year and a half now and there are still days where it's easy to watch the day get away from me because there's just not quite enough to do. And you don't have that boss going, like you don't have to fool anyone into looking busy. You could just go, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the boss today. I'm, you know, made plenty of money this month. It's Tuesday morning and I'm going to go watch all three Lord of the Rings. Stop me. Right. And I don't, you don't <laughs> actually want that, I don't think, but it's just sort of you default to what, like, what is the easiest, most comfortable, most relaxing thing I can do right now. 
Um, and that's to me, that's that was the biggest mistake I made. And it's the one that I probably still have to work the hardest at avoiding to remake. Oh, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I, and I noticed it today, um, or the last couple of days when I've had like nothing to do, um, because like I'm waiting to hear back from a client or something like that. Like I'll just sit there and I'll watch YouTube or I'll, you know, play fetch with my dog or something like that. And, or just do nothing. Like yesterday I got home, I literally took a nap for an hour and a half because I was just like, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. And so I, I just went to bed and, and I feel like, um, I'm, I'm almost now on the flip side of what you're talking about though, is that like, I feel like if I have any time off, I'm wasting time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of now have to like rail back and kind of like plan some time that I'm going to not be editing because I could be editing forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so now like this July, I have like really only one project that's scheduled for this July. And so I'm going to essentially be like, yep, in July, when I come home from work, like I might do a little bit of writing, do a little bit of, you know, self-producing or whatever, but like, I'm literally going to just take some time and, uh, you know, just prep like for, for the future and for this, this coming hunting season. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's cause I, I, I need to take that time because <laughs> otherwise I'm going to freaking, you know, kill myself <laughs> sitting in that office editing all yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. I think it, on a, a little bit more of a personal reflection here, I feel like there are a lot of jobs out there and maybe I'm, I'm just surmising here, but they reward looking busy. Like if you have a job and you can look busy at it, you are rewarded for it. Like if you're always responding to emails, if you're always, um, you know, looking active and busy and your, your, your boss walks by and you go, um, you know, I, I, I look like I'm really involved. Even if you aren't, if you can look busy and be perceived as busy, you're rewarded for that. And I think when you step into the freelance world, all of a sudden there's no, there's no disguise to keep up. No one's going to walk by and go, are you, are you working right now? Are you doing a good job or are you goofing off? And, um, the, the, the awesome thing about that is there's a lot of BS you can get rid of. Like you don't, you know, (laughs) you don't need to keep up this. I'm swiveling in my desk chair, but trying to look busy. Um, but now that you've gotten rid of that and you have more bandwidth and you have a larger margin, how are you spending that? And that's, I, I think really great freelancers, um, they fill that with either stuff they find really personally fulfilling, whether that's family time, whether that's travel, whether that's exercise, or they fill it with personal projects. And they do stuff that they believe matters and they are involved with with things that they they believe in. Um and I, and and we you know it's, it's a different podcast, but the value of personal projects like that, like that that's my marketing plan, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, yeah, no, I I just talked with Nate, uh, my intern today, and I was telling him because we 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 both were ready to enroll in by eight a.m. this morning, and he had to leave around one thirty, and so I was like, okay, we are um, finishing. Like, and he was finishing a project and I was doing a project and I finished what I was doing that I'm like the project that I was doing, I pretty much got 90% of the, the editing done for, and I'm charging $1,200 for that video. Right. And so I was able to do that in essentially four or five hours in that, that time frame, And he was able to do something else. And, and then he's actually going to his part-time job afterwards. And I'm like, okay, if you look at this, like 
the average person, you know, is, is at work for nine hours. Right. And they have an hour lunch and then they have probably about two hours of BS. Right. <laughs> and that, that they're trying to like look yeah, busy yeah. and trying to just do random stuff. And so that means that that really only six hours of work at best gets done. Mm-hmm. We had five and a half hours from eight to one thirty that we were working and we were just like nose to the grindstone and doing it. And now it's, you know, one thirty, and I'm done for the day and I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and in, depending on how you look at it, I made $1,200, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so I just, I don't know, man, there's just some problems with corporate America when it comes to like working, like y- you spend two hours of the day, not doing something, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, I, and I saw that at the company that I was at and I was just like, please just let me leave. Like I've finished what I've done coming straight out of college. You know, like I'm used to like the faster you can get your homework done and get an A the better. And here it's just like, nope, like you're stuck here regardless. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to kind of, you know, exist for two hours of the day that you don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Just doing the old office, office, uh, office chair, tilt a whirl. It, it was so common for my office mates or my guys across the hall or whatever to come over and we would literally just talk for 20, 30 minutes mm-hmm. about our days, you mm-hmm. know, or about like, oh, did you see this new piece of gear that came out or some event or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, man, like that's just mm-hmm. like, what is that? Come on, you know, like, let me just leave. <laughs> so, but anyway. Um, so now moving forward into the future, what do you think learning from your mistakes, what do you think is going to be, um, the, the most pivotal thing that you're going to be working on the next, let's say two, three months. Um, looking at the future right now for me, the next two to three months, uh, the biggest thing I'm going to be focusing on these next two to three months is personal work. And, um, just because I'm such a believer in the value of it and, um, and it really, I look back on the work I've gotten from clients. Most of the work that they see that they fall in love with is personal work. It's personal stories, or oh, it's, yeah. or it's, it's doing something that they that that they can sense this project that Micah worked on this mattered, and that means different things to different people. Um, but this summer, um, using my free time or like my, my free work time, you know, um. Uh, I'm really hoping to get some um, kind of like hatch some ideas that have been incubating for a little too long, you know, feeling a little creatively constipated and, and ready to ready to go after some things. Um, right. And really just yeah. letting, letting see, letting, wow. And really just letting my business kind of morph a little bit more. I, I, I've been freelancing successfully now for about a year and a half and wanting to see a uh, kind of turn a corner into even a more of a specific clientele in certain areas and doing the personal work that I think will connect with those markets. Right. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that's definitely, there's, there's power of personal projects and passion projects. Like we did a passion project together of mine that I, we ended up getting paid for. Those are, those are the um, best passion projects. With- like I, I would do this for the passion, <laughs> but you can get paid on top. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and it was, it was just really a desire to tell a story, Mm -hmm. you know, a documentary and, and, you know, and telling it about, um, JP rifles like that, that was able to, you know, be lucrative and, and have some, you know, some cash flow with it. But that now that company 
has come to me and said, like, we, we've had several meetings over the last couple of years and they've said like, yo, like if you have another passion project that you think of, like, let us know. We're interested. We want to be a part of that. And there's nothing that I really have on the docket for that type of um, company, but it's the type of thing that like, you know, those projects, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like what I wanted to name my company from the get go, which was, um, uh, Merakai Media and it's M E R A K I, you know, and it's essentially, it's, I think it's a Latin word that means, um, you work so hard that a piece of you is left inside of what you create. Mm. Uh, or what you work on and, or you care so much about a project that a piece of you becomes part of that project. Mm -hmm. And like when you truly have that in there, like in that project um, and you have that care and that desire for it, it's going to be awesome. And people are going to notice, um, you know, the, the um, documentary that you and I did last year about um, the, um, the Weaver brothers, the, um, our family bond. Now it's on Amazon prime for anybody that wants to go look at that Amazon prime, our family bond. But, um, it's, you know, I, you know, the outdoor channel picked that up, um, to, to show on their Facebook and their Instagram. And people are constantly, um, mentioning that video in meetings that I have and different discussions because they not only liked it, but they want to create something like it. And they obviously see that I ha I can come and we can, you and I can come behind that passion. And so they want to employ us to do it. And there's just like, you know, it, there's just so much power in those passion mm -hmm. projects. Yeah. I, I, yeah. They, they really are some of the most powerful marketing you can do. If you go, you know, this is who I am. This is the work that I do when nobody's paying. And that can connect with a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like almost like a freelancing character, you know, <laughs> It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, who are you when no one's yeah. watching? It's like, what kind of work are you making when nobody's there? You know, is it just this crap <laughs> yeah. like, or, or is it nothing? <laughs> um, well, and I, and I think and it's, you know, uh, kind of given like some tactical tips here, you know, nothing like bringing out the tactical tips at 35 minutes into the podcast. Right. But uh, <laughs> like, like the yeah. reason why I, I was able to pick up clients while having a full time job was I was seen as the guy with the camera yeah. and like that was a huge thing I noticed, especially being a part of a church where there's a lot of people and there's a lot of, you know, on Sunday mornings, a lot of people show up and they see who's the guy with the camera. But it's it's also something I did remarkably well at the beginning with almost every project I took on um, was I authentically cared about either the client and or the company. And, and, right. and I think the important thing that I would draw a distinction there is – there were times I worked with companies I I didn't really care about their product or or their or their service, mm -hmm. but I felt like the people running that company were incredible people, and if they believed in it, then I was like I was willing to bet on the jockey, not on the horse. In that case, um, right? Yeah, and you, um, and I, I'm sure that that showed through in your quality. There was there was somebody that uh, came to me and asked me like, "Hey, I need to make this video for I think it was an amazing race." Um, they, they didn't know how to edit and they wanted to make an amazing race um, application mm -hmm. video. And so they shot the whole thing on their phone in portrait mode and they handed me the footage. They're like, please, can you like help us with this? Hey, hey, and hey, like, I'm not a miracle much? worker here. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, how much can we pay you for this? And I was like, um, you can pay me nothing. 
if you don't tell anybody <laughs> that I worked on it, <laughs> because like it was just I don't know, man. It was just atrocious, and and I just I couldn't I couldn't bear having my brand <laughs> on that video, yeah. and so I didn't charge them anything. I just I just did it because you know they knew I was the guy with the camera and the guy that could edit, and I but you know so yeah, but maintaining that quality, you know, even beyond your passion into somebody else's is definitely mm-hmm. um, important. Yeah. I, I, I have this theory that I'm not, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I feel like a, like good clients can tell if you're bringing the right level of, of energy to um, like can they can tell if you're faking it with them because any freelancer is going to do have to do projects that they don't really care about. You know, if right. you're, you know, if you're doing, I, I must go, I can't think of anything without throwing someone under the bus. Like what's the most boring video shoot you could possibly do? Like it, um, I'm doing it right now. I am. I'm serious. I have some interviews that I'm doing okay. right now. That yeah, are just yeah. Like, just just oh, just, just talking head interviews with no no special sauce, um, and you just like you got to be willing to come in and go like I am still going to give this you know 100 percent, and you know because otherwise I feel like clients like they sort of detect like you know like hey Connor like you'd probably do a really good job if this was super interesting or if this was perfectly aligned with you with what you love. But because it's not, we can tell you're kind of faking it. Like, like, just don't be that guy, you know, bring a hundred percent. Um, right. And in order for me to do that, I have to find some way to make it creative. Like I can't, I can't just like do the job and like, just push it out and book it out. Like I have to be like, could I do a, you know, a transition here? Could I like, you know, do some kind of a thing or like the problem is that they say, um, too many times. And so I can see, you know, it's like a contest with myself of how many times I can take out, um, and they can't realize that I did it or something. Uh, but I have to like come up with something because otherwise I just like pull my hair out and it just, it, and it shows, you know, it looks worse. Yeah. So, but anyway, so as far as um, social media, you probably you really aren't on social media. No, are I'm, you? I'm 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 kind of bashful on the on the socials. I am on uh, I am on Facebook for the time being. Um, Do you have any tags? Any like anything that people could follow? No, to, uh, no. I I, <laughs> I I I more believe in be se- in being secretly awesome. Yeah, you have a website, MikeHancock.com. I do, I, I do right? have a website, MikeHancock.com or StoryAndMediaCompany.com. Um, that's probably the best spot to see see my work. StoryAndMediaCompany.com. Mm-hmm. What? So why not StoryAndMedia.company or .co? Uh, I also own that one. I I I, I own oh. like you know if, <laughs> if you search Story and Story and Company Media, <laughs> I own like 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 I don't know the ten related domains. So or MikeHancock.com. Um, Okay. But yeah, I uh, that's go. a different podcast. We can talk about social media. <laughs> the Business Brothers Podcast is produced by Olsted Media, LLC. That's Connor's company. And Story and Company Media, LLC. That's Micah's company. For more information about content created by the Business Brothers, go to businessbrotherspodcast.com. And until next week, keep working and keep learning. Keep learning.